say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. 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 Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that sounds so much better than it usually does. <laughs> I don't like the girl, but she's got a point. Broadcasting, as always, from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I'm your host, producer Lisa. And across the table from me, pulling producer duty this week... My worser half? Is that a thing? Brent Hand. Oh, man. Worser half, I think, is a perfect nom de plume. Is that, the, is that, the, is that a word? I know. Big words, babe. I don't, I don't know. John's not here, so I can't just make up stuff. <laughs> Special week this week, Lisa. Oh, man. The New Year marks our tradition, and tradition, I mean, our second year ever, so I guess it's now an annual thing. Our tradition of playing one of our favorite audio dramas. And, P.S., Orson Welles is in this one. <laughs> Unicron himself. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you that they remember Orson Welles from this or that. But I think that, you know, if you really dig down into his history, the best character he ever was was Unicron in the 80, 86 animated Transformers movie. Is that the one you cried during? you fucking right. I did. They <laughs> killed all my heroes. And so I told this on, I think it was on an up all night on our Patreon, but Lincoln, John's son, goes to his daycare and they write like, on the back of them. Their names on like a back of the children, right? So when they're running around, you can see which one is which. And they wrote Lincoln in this weird script. It, I swear to God, looked like Unicron. (laughs) And I'm sitting there, we're there, and Joe Peck and I are like having a beer outside. And and Stacy shows up with him, and he's running. And I look at Joe, I'm like, Does that say Unicron? He's like, What? Holy shit, I think it says Unicron. Time to get a name change. That's right. So, but anyway, this one is a big one. It is the Mercury Theater on Air with Orson Welles presents. That's a mouthful. The Mercury Theater on Air with Orson Welles presents Dracula. How exciting is that? We got another uh, vampire. That's pretty cool. But before we get to that, don't you think we should discuss all your achievements in 2018? <laughs> well, I'm thankful for you asking me that, my love. I am so happy you brought that up. We did have some achievements this year. This was a big growth year for us. It was a fun one. It was a good one. You guys were actually featured in a lot of Best of articles. We were because they were scraping the bottom. They were scraping the bottom of the barrel, but then they realized if you pick up the barrel, you might find Hysteria 51 down there. Actually, my favorite one was in Pop Sugar, which is obviously one of the greatest publications of all time because they talked about Hysteria 51 in there, but we were on 10 Best Conspiracy Podcasts, and- one of our sister shows from House of Forks was on there. Stuff they don't want you to know. Time Suck was in there. Alien Theorist Theorizing. So we were in some great company. It was a lot of fun, actually. So if you guys haven't seen that, where can you find that? Our website, Under Press, <laughs> along with many, many other articles. Were you guys also nominated for some awards? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that as well, my love. We were. You know what? Uh, Discover Pods, we were nominated for the People's Choice Award and then not to be confused with that, the People's Choice Podcast Awards nominated us for the best in arts category. That's really cool. Actually, it was pretty cool. Yeah. How many of those do you guys win? <laughs> A big goose egg, my love. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's nice just being nominated. We were in there with people like last podcast on the left and Joe Rogan experience and armchair so experts. What you're saying is you didn't have a chance. No, I'm saying we were the little engine that could. It turned out we couldn't, oh. but we tried really, really hard. <laughs> What's the Brave Little Toaster one? Is that the same thing? The Brave Little Toaster is a horrifying movie, and I love it. Yeah, it's right. no Watership Down or, or Plague Dogs, but it's up there. Yeah, I think I think we should work that into 2019. <laughs> Plague Dogs. <laughs> yeah, Brave Little Toaster. Sure, sure. <laughs> we got two dogs downstairs, so. All right. Well, also, you guys did release your 100th episode. That is true. We are in the Century Club now. To me, I don't know. When we hit 100, then it felt like, okay, we're real. You know, not to say that any show that's not. There's a lot of shows with a lot more downloads than us that are three episodes in. But it felt pretty good, you know, to to say we've been around the block. I've been around the block a time or two, baby. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can see how you'd think that. (laughs) That's true. 
At least we're, people are taking notice. People were definitely taking notice. Weren't you guys in like the top 200 several times on iTunes? <laughs> we were. Uh, uh, right now, no, we are not. <laughs> but we have been. And not only that, we've been in the top 10 in arts multiple times this year. i got to tell you a little story. I have an enemy. That enemy is a man named LeVar Burton <laughs> because he was always for the longest time when we were in the top 200 and we were in the top in arts, uh, he was always right there with us. And for several weeks, we were beating him. And I know LeVar Burton has no idea who we are other than every once while he probably looked at the charts and saw our picture next to him. But I just want to let you know, LeVar, it felt pretty good to stomp your ass reading Rainbow. No, I don't know. Hold on. We didn't really stomp his ass, but we did beat him for a few weeks. So, you know. Eat that, Jordy LaForge. <laughs> Take that in your visor. And moving on. So <laughs> my favorite random thing this year is you guys released the Nazi Bell episode and it You exploded. are a big, big Nazi fan. That's true. So I can see why that was your favorite yep, thing. Yep. Uh, the Nazi Bell was a funny thing for us because we did release that episode. And for whatever reason, that was like one of those things that went viral in so many places. It was at a time when the Nazi bell, we released it, and for whatever reason, the Nazi bell got caught up in the cultural zeitgeist, so to speak, and people were talking about it everywhere, and it just so happened that that week they Googled Nazi bell and our name popped up. We were in so many articles and things where they quoted us, and one of my proudest moments is they called us historians and the history podcast yeah, hysteria that was my, 51. I thought that was pretty funny too well you know what <laughs> turns out people don't really like when we do history episodes on here even if they are bizarre <laughs> and out there <laughs> historia 51 didn't really catch on but if you look up nazi bell you're gonna find our name in a lot of articles it's hilarious nice so historia 51 is not in your future <sighs> i mean wait, hey hey Let's not pigeonhole me. Let's not say never. Uh, well, well, you know what, though? The last but certainly not least, and this is a big one for us personally, is we join How Stuff Works and iHeartRadio. That's a huge thing for us. It's going to help us in 2019, I think, you know, uh, grow definitely. Well, what does 2019 hold for you guys? Oh, man, I'm telling you, a lot. Oh, We're going to have more guests, bigger name guests, not, not downplaying the guests we have right now. Because everyone, I think, if you're going to hold him on a pedestal, Joe Peck is probably very famous. You know, you know, he's a household name. In the, in the what, the reptilian circuit? We talk circuit? about him in this household, so <laughs> he's a household name. <laughs> We're going to have more travel. We're definitely going to do a lot more travel. More events. We're going to be at Alien Con this year. We're going to do a lot more conventions. Planet Comic Con. We've got a lot more meetups planned. We're working on some of those. Uh, we're going to do at least one in the Chicago area. Hopefully one in L.A. we're working on, maybe. Speaking of meetups, live shows. We had a blast doing our last live show with David Flora. That's another thing that we're going to explore and do more of in 2019. You're going to hear us guest on more shows. Some very, very big podcasts that we can't name right now. You're such a tease, I Greg. know, right? Ooh, I'm a naughty girl. <laughs> I don't... No. Okay. Oh man. So yeah. Yeah. Big year. Like I said, bigger, bigger name guests. Uh, people that are in the, the, the UFO and the paranormal circuit, things like that. And hopefully we're going to be in your neck of the woods. I can't say when or where, because we're still working and hammering those details out, but stay tuned. And if you haven't hopped on hysteria nation, that's where we announce all these things. Go to hysteria51.com. You can find all this information. Lisa, thank you for pulling hosting duty over there. You're, uh, you're a lot better to look at across the table than John. I'm that's just going to throw that that's out not, there. That's not saying very much. Well, that's true. And how come you put that curtain between us? That's because yeah, I just didn't want to get all sex crazed and jump over the table. Yeah, that makes sense. That does. That checks out. You know, speaking of sex craze and <laughs> maybe bad decisions, <laughs> um, just a quick shout out. We uh, we couldn't be in the neck of the woods of the Peterson wedding this week. Oh, but... I didn't know where you were going. Yeah, Joseph and Kelly Lynn, the new Mr. and Mrs. Peterson, they just got married. They sent us an invitation to their wedding, and we couldn't go, but we did send them a little choose-your-own-adventure kit to start their their new life together. Yeah, if you want to check out that kit and what they have to say, you should jump on Hysteria Nation. Yeah, we'll let them tell you what's in it if they want to say. If not, it'll be a, 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 Surprise. a secret for the ages. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let's get on to... The Mercury Theater with Orson Welles featuring Dracula. <laughs> Hola, David and me. I'm O'Brent. 
Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Mercury Theater on the Air presents Orson Welles as Count Dracula in his own version of Bram Stoker's great novel, Dracula. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Arthur Seward. I'm here tonight to bear witness to the truth of certain events which you may find it hard to believe, but I ask you to believe them. I have here certain documents, telegrams, clippings from the press of the day, memoranda and letters in various hands. All needless matters have been eliminated. 
so that a history almost at variance with the possibilities of contemporary belief may stand forth as simple fact. I present you first with excerpts from the private journal of Jonathan Harker. I, Jonathan Harker, lawyer's clerk, article to Peter Hawkins, Esquire of Exeter, England, am writing this journal in the hope that if misfortune overtakes me, it may one day come to the eyes of those who love me. I set out from London on the last day of April to visit one of our clients in Eastern Europe. On May the 3rd, I arrived in Budapest and came after nightfall to Klausenburg on the borders of Transylvania. At Bistritz, there was a letter of welcome for me from our client, informing me that his carriage would await me at the Borgo Pass. It was signed, Dracula. The road was rough, but still we seemed to fly over it with feverish haste. When it grew dark, there seemed to be some excitement among the passengers. They kept speaking to the driver and looking at me and urging him on to greater speed. The crazy coach rocked on its great leather string. seemed to come nearer to us on either side. Coachman! Coachman! What is it? Where are we? You are nearing your destination, young hare. This is the Borga Pass. There were black, rolling clouds overhead, and in the air the heavy, oppressive sense of thunder. You are early tonight, my friend. A calèche with four horses had drawn up beside us. Let me help you, sir. The coachman smiled, and the lamplight fell on a hard-looking mouth with very red lips and sharp-looking teeth as white as ivory. We began to move. I looked back. The coach and its load of passengers had vanished from sight. We swept into the darkness of the past. I struck a match. It was within a few minutes of midnight. And then a dog began to howl somewhere far down the road. The wind was rising, moaned and whistled through the rocks, and the branches of the trees clashed together as we swept along. It grew colder and colder still, and fine powdery snow began to fall. The baying of wolves sounded nearer and nearer, as though they were closing round us every side. We kept on ascending, always ascending. The howling of wolves was going left. Presently, it ceased altogether. And just then, the moon broke through the black clouds, and by its light, I, I saw round us a ring of wolves running alongside the carriage, in silence, with white teeth and lolling red tongues, with long sinewy limbs and shaggy hair. Welcome to my house. I must have fallen asleep. The carriage had pulled up in the courtyard of a vast ruined castle. The coachman was nowhere to be seen. Welcome to my house. Come freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula? I am Dracula. His face was strong, very strong, aquiline. The mouth, so far as I could see under the heavy moustache, was fixed and rather cruel-looking with peculiarly sharp white teeth. Mm. You hear me, Mr. Harker? Uh, the wolves? The children of the night, as you say, Mr. Harker. The wolves. Listen. Mm. Come now. There are many things you must tell me tomorrow. Of England and of the estate there you have purchased for me. Why, uh, yes. The estate is called Carfax, I believe. Yes, that is so. But now I will detain you no longer. You will find your room in readiness. And I advise you not to leave it during the night. The 
this castle is on the very edge of a terrible precipice. A stone falling from the window would fall a thousand feet without touching anything. I explored. There are doors, doors, doors everywhere, and all of them locked. The door to the great hall, the door to the courtyard, every door in the castle is closed, bolted against me. The castle of Dracula is a prison, and I am a prisoner. The next night, I couldn't sleep. So after a few hours, I got up and lighting my candle, I placed my shaving mirror on the dressing table and was just beginning to shave. You seem restless, Mr. Harker. I hadn't seen him. Although the reflection of the glass covered the whole room behind me. I turned to the glass again. Count Dracula was close to me and I could see him over my shoulder, but there was no reflection of him in the mirror. It was blank. I started and cut myself on the side of the throat. The blood was trickling down my neck. Count, my mirror! The blood! The blood! Wipe the blood from your face, Mr. Harker. And take care how you cut yourself. It is more dangerous than you think in this country. When I awoke, I found most of my things were gone. My passport, my notes, my letter of credit. I could find no trace of them anywhere. And my door is locked from the outside. June 20th. There is work of some kind going on in the castle. Now and then I hear the faraway muffled sound of matter and spade. And last night, the second of the predated letters which Dracula made me write, the second of that series which is to blot out the very traces of my existence from the earth went forth. <coughs> Count Dracula. Yes, my young friend. Well, what of me? When am I free? When can I leave this place? Free? Mr. Harker, you're always free. You want to leave? Would you like to leave tonight? Yes, yes, in God's name. My dear young friend, not an hour shall you wait in my house against your will. Come, follow me. Hmm, the door seems to be bolted half strange. The door is locked. Well, in God's name, open it. As you will, Mr. Harker. You English have a proverb which is very close to my heart. Welcome the coming speed, the parting guest. Good night, Mr. Harker. Shut the door! 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 The door is shut, Mr. Harker. I take it. You will remain. Morning, June the 30th. These may be the last words I ever write in this diary. Oh, God preserve my sanity. I have never seen Count Dracula by day. At sunrise, at the first cock crow, he is gone. I... I don't understand these things. I only know that the wolves obey him, and that he is a man with hair on the palm of his hand, with sharp teeth, and no blood in his face. He casts no shadow. He cannot be seen in a glass. And he moves like a bat across the sheer face of the castle walls. He eats no food and is mortally afraid of the crucifix. As I write this, I hear in the courtyard the rolling of heavy wheels and the cracking of whips. And there is in the passageway below a sound of heavy boxes being set down. Boxes shaped like coffins. And I know what they hold. Boxes are filled with holy earth from the chapel beneath the castle. Box being nailed down. And now I hear the heavy feet tramping again. The door shut, the chains rattle. In the courtyard and down the rocky way, the roll of heavy wheels, the crack of whips. The wagons have gone. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This is Dr. Seward. Mr. Harker's journal terminates at this point. I now present in evidence a clipping dated August 8th of that year from the Yorkshire Telegraph from our correspondent in Whitby. One of the greatest and suddenest storms on record is experienced here today. The weather has been somewhat sultry, but Saturday evening was fine. The band was playing. The piers were crowded with holidaymakers. The wind fell away entirely during the evening, and there was a dead calm. There were but few lights at sea. The only sail noticeable was a foreign schooner under full canvas, which was seemingly going westward. A little after midnight came a strange sound from over the sea, and high overhead the air began to carry a strange, faint, hollow booming. Then, without warning, the tempest broke. And there, with all sails set, was the foreign schooner rushing with terrific speed toward the shore. A searchlight was turned on her. And there, lashed to the helm, was a corpse with drooping head which swayed horribly to and fro at each motion of the ship. A moment later, she crashed. And then a strange thing was seen. At the very instant she touched, a huge dog sprang up on deck from below and running forward, jumped from the bow onto the sand and making straight up the east cliff toward the graveyard, vanished into the night. The coast guard going aboard at dawn found the dead man fastened to a spoke of the wheel. Tightly clutched in one hand was a crucifix. The man must have been dead for quite two days. In the pocket of the dead man's coat was found a bottle carefully corked, containing a roll of paper. This proved to be an addendum to the ship's log. There was found on board only a small amount of cargo and that of a most unusual nature. Apparently the ship carried nothing but earth. Common earth. Packed away in wooden boxes. Shaped much like coffins. Demeter. Russian flag, Black Sea, to Whitby. July 6th. Finished taking in cargo, a queer cargo, boxes of earth. At noon, set sail, east wind, fresh, crew, four hands, two mates, cook, and myself, captain. July 11th. Entered Bosporus. At dark, passed through Dardanelles. Mate reported in morning that one of crew, Valyodin, was missing. Took Larbert watch eight bells last night. She was relieved by Chilegian. Never came to his There's something aboard oh. this ship. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't laugh, Captain. In the rain last night, oh. a tall, thin man go up companionway and along the deck forward and disappeared. When I go to the bow, no one. And the hatchways all closed. July 22nd. Rough weather last three days. All hands busy with sails. No time be frightened. Past Gibraltar and out through straits. All well, July 24th. Last night, another hand was lost. Disappeared. By Kalichin. Leave all March midnight. Then we never see him again. What's double watch now? I don't take watch alone no more. Double watch. Double watch. July 29th. Had single watch tonight as crew too tired to double. When morning comes... Hey! Hey, below! All right, please! All right, please! He's by my feet, below! Balancing God! Oh, balancing God like the us! Like all the us! The mate and I have agreed to go armed henceforth, July 30th. Last night, we are nearing England. Weather fine. All sails set. Captain! Captain! The man in the watching the sails is missing! Lost missing! Now, only self and mate and one hand left to work ship. August 3rd. Two days of fog and not a sail sighted. At midnight, I went to relieve the man at wheel, and when I got to it, found no one there. It's here! I know it now. I saw it. Like a man, tall and thin and ghastly pale. It was in the bars looking out. I gave it the knife and my knife went through it. What? Empty as air. What is it? What are you talking about? It's here and I'll find it. It's in the hold. In one of those boxes of earth. I'll unscrew them one by one and see. And see. He is mad. Stark raving mad. It's no use my trying to stop him. 
he can't hurt those big boxes. They are invoiced as common earth. <laughs> He's there, down in the cold. I know the secret now. The sea will save me from him. That's all that's left. That's all that's left. August 4th. I am all alone on my ship. And still the fog. I dared not go below. I dared not leave the helm. So here all night I stayed. And in the dimness of the night, I saw it. I saw him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like a sailor in the blue water. But I am captain. And I must not leave my ship. I shall tie my hands to the wheel when my strength begins to fail. And along with them I shall tie that which it dare not touch. My crucifix. I am growing weaker. And the night is coming on. God and the Blessed Virgin... Help a poor, ignorant soul trying to do his duty. Telegram. Keyword perfect. To Van Helsing, Amsterdam. Lucy West Tenra in alarming condition. Cannot diagnose. Come at once. Seward. Telegram. Van Helsing, Amsterdam. To Seward, perfect. I'm on my way to you. Please arrange the examination immediately my arrival from Helsing. Ladies and gentlemen, I must now explain that six months before the events recorded here, I had become engaged to a young lady, Lucy Westenra. We were to have been married in the spring. My old teacher, Professor Van Helsing, arrived at four the next afternoon. I took him at once to Lucy's house. She lay in a bed asleep. She was ghastly, chalkily pale. The red seemed to have gone even from her lips and gums. And the bones of her face stood out. Young miss is bad. Very bad. She must have blood or she will die. Yet she is not anemic. The qualitative analysis of her blood gives quite normal condition. It is strange. I do not like to think how strange. Look! My God, her throat, look! The black velvet band that she always wore had dragged up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. Just over the external jugular vein were two punctures, not large, but not wholesome-looking. The edges were white and worn-looking. Well? Well, what is it, Professor? What's wrong with her? Speak frankly. You can tell me the worst. I wish I could, Stuart. I wish I could. But I do not dare... Won't you tell me anything? I will tell you this. Your young lady is in a danger greater than this. You must believe me. If you leave her for one moment and harm befalls, you will not sleep easy thereafter. September 8th. I sat up all night with Lucy. Arthur, I'm afraid. My dear, you can sleep tonight. I'm here watching you. Nothing can happen. And I promise if any sign of bad dreams, if I see anything, I'll wake you at once. You will? Will you really? Then I'll sleep. I sat all night by her bedside. And she did not wake once during the night, although her bows or a bat or something flapped almost angrily against the window panes. September 11th. Still quoting from my private journals. It was this time that I received a message from Perfleet. It read 10.20 p.m. St. John's Hospital. Serious complications. Case 891. Your immediate presence, London. Imperative. I had no choice. Sometime later, a paper was found among Lucy Westenra's belongings. I write this and leave it to be seen so that no one may by any chance get into trouble through me. 
I went to bed as usual, taking care that the window was closed. The doctor Van Helsing had directed. About two in the morning, I awakened. I went to the door, called out. Arthur! Arthur! There was no answer. Something's broken the window. I'm in the room, alone. Then I go out. I'll see it empty. The air is full of specks floating and circling in the draft from the window. And the light burns blue and dim. What am I to do? Something very sweet and very bitter all around me. Nothing sinking into deep water. And there's singing in my ears. You shall be flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Ah. September 12th, late. Only resolution and habit can let me make an entry tonight. We found her sprawled on the floor. There was a draft in the room from the broken window. Her throat was bare, showing the two wounds looking horribly white and mangled. We are too late, my friend. We have failed. God's will be done. She's dying. Yes. She's dying. Stay beside her. It will make much difference, mark me, whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. in the afternoon before she opened her eyes. Arthur, oh my love, I'm so glad you've come. I took her hand and knelt beside her. Her breath came and went like a tired, peaceful child. And then the light from the setting sun fell on her face and then, insensibly, a strange change came over her. Her eyes grew suddenly dull and hard. Her breathing was heavy. The mouth opened and the pale gums drawn back Made the teeth look large and sharp. Arthur, oh, my love, I'm so glad you've come. Kiss me. Bend down and kiss me. Not for your life. Not for your living soul as hers. <laughs> Lucy. She's dead. Poor girl. There's peace for at last. The end. Not so. It is only the beginning. Wait and see. Westminster Gazette, September 25th. A Hempstead mystery. The Kensington Horror, the stabbing woman, and the woman in black are vividly recalled to mind by a series of events that have taken place recently in the neighborhood of Hempstead. Several cases have occurred of young children straying from home or failing to return from their playing on the heath. In all these cases, the children have given us their excuse that they have been with a beautiful lady who offered them chocolate. In each case, the child was found to be slightly torn or wounded in the throat. The wound seems such as might be made by a rat or a small dog. The Hampstead Horror. Another child injured by the beautiful lady. We have just received intelligence that another child missed last night was only discovered late in the morning. It has the same tiny wound in throat. Well, Stuart, what do you think of that? Do you mean to tell me, my friend, that you still have no suspicion as to what poor Lucy died of? Nervous prostration, following great loss and waste of blood. And how was the blood lost or wasted? You are a clever man, my friend, and a good doctor. But you do not believe that there are things that you cannot understand. You are wrong, Stuart. Are you aware of all the mysteries of life and death? 
Can you tell me why in the pampas there are bats that come at night and open the veins of cattle and horses and suck dry those veins? Hmm? How in some islands of the western seas there are bats which hang on trees all day and then when the sailors sleep on deck because it is hot, flit down on them and then in the morning are found dead men as white as Miss Lucy was? I understand none of these things. After tonight, Seward, if you dare to come with me, perhaps then you will understand. September 29th. Before dawn. Now it is done. And I would sooner die a thousand deaths than live again through what I did this night. We will spend the night you and I here in this churchyard where Miss Lucy is buried. We enter the tomb, then we open the coffin. You shall yet be convinced. Take care, Van Helsing. Miss Lucy is dead, is it not so? Then there can be no wrong to her, but if she is not dead. With some difficulty, we found the West Denver tomb. I took up my place behind a yew tree. On one side of the tomb, Van Helsing on the other. Chilled and frightened. Suddenly, I saw something moving between two yew trees. A dim white figure which held something at its breast. The figure stopped. I could not see the face, for it was bent down over what I saw to be a fair haired child. There was a sharp little cry, such as a child gives in sleep, or a dog as it lies before the fire and dreams. Then the thing saw us. She drew back with an angry snarl. The lovely, blood-stained mouth grew to an open square. If ever a face meant death, I saw it at that moment. Then suddenly she turned and vanished in the direction of the tomb. The child is not harmed. We leave him in a safe place where the police find him. There's more to do. Come! Now we were in the tomb. Then in the coffin. The thing lay... Like a nightmare of Lucy, the pointed teeth, the blood-stained mouth. Then Helsing never looked up. From his bag, he took out a book, his operating knives, a heavy hammer, and a round wooden stake, some two or three inches thick, sharpened to a fine point, and hardened over a fire. Stuart! The life of this unhappy woman is just begun. When she become what you call undead, there comes with the change the curse of immortality. She cannot die, but must go on age after age adding new victims because all that die from the praying of the undead become themselves undead and prey on others. So the circle goes on, ever widening as the ripples from a stone thrown in the water. But if this lady, this undead, be made to rest as true dead, then the soul of the poor lady whom we love shall be again free. Tell me, what am I to do? Take this stake in your left hand. The hammer in your right. Yes. Place the point over the heart. Yes. Then, when I begin the prayer for the dead, in God's name, strike. Oh. Are you ready? Now. Domine Jesu Christe, Fili de Vivi, Kilmans Tuas Ex Voluntate Patri. On the morning of July 11th, a man was found on the border of Transylvania. He talked wildly of wolves and boxes of earth and blood and gave his name as Jonathan Harker. In the hospital of Klausenberg, he improved sufficiently to make possible his removal to England. I'm still quoting from my own personal papers. But then his condition remained so serious that he was committed for observation to a private ward in my hospital at Perseid. Here he did so well that in three weeks he was completely recovered. It was during this time that his wife, Minna Harker, brought to the attention of Dr. Van Helsing and myself the journal that her husband had kept while a prisoner in the castle of a certain Count Dracula in Transylvania. I have before me the record of a meeting that took place in my study in Perseid, transcribed by Minna Harker. October 1st. Meeting began soon after eight. Jonathan next to me. Dr. Seward opposite to Van Helsing at the head of the table. My friends, there are such things as vampires. 
Had I known at first what now I know, one so precious life had been spared to many of us who love her. The vampire which is amongst us is of himself so strong that he can direct all the elements. The storm, the flood, the thunder. He can command all the meaner things, the moth and bat, the owl and the fox and the wolf. How then are we to begin our strike to destroy him? How shall we find his place? And having found it, how can we destroy him? My friends, it is a terrible task that we undertake. To fail here is not mere life or death. If we fail, we become as him. Foul things of the night, as him. What do you say? I answer for myself. Come me in. I'm with you. The professor laid a small golden crucifix on the table. We took hands and our solemn pact was made. My friends, we too are not without strength. The vampire flourishes on the blood of the living. Without this, he cannot live. He throws no shadow. He makes no reflection in a mirror. He can transform himself to a wolf, to a bat. He can come on moonlight rays as elemental dust he can see in the dark. He can do all these things. Yet he is not free. His power ceases at the coming of the day. Then, until night, he must remain in the shape in which he finds himself and except in his coffin home, in those earth boxes he cannot rest. When we can confine him in his coffin, then, my friends, if we obey what we know, we will destroy him. At that moment, something flapped wildly against the window, then... Did you hit it? I don't know. We looked out of the window. Against the black sky, we could see nothing. Data on our position. From the Count's castle in Transylvania to Whitby came 50 boxes of earth. All of these, to our certain knowledge, were delivered at Carfax. Recently, 12 of these boxes have been removed. First step... Ascertain whether all the rest remain in the deserted house next door or whether any more have been removed. We must trace each of these boxes and sterilize the earth with holy water so that he can no longer seek safety in it. And we must hurry. The events of the next few days are described in Jonathan Harker's journal. October 2nd, 5 a.m. Just returned from the empty house. Left Mina here at home. Well, we've done our work at Carfax. The place was filthy. The air stagnant and foul and alive with rats. We counted the boxes. Only 38 of them. And over each one, the professor went through his same mysterious work. It was dawn when we got back. I found Mina asleep. She looks paler than usual. October 2nd. Soon after they left, I fell asleep. I remember hearing the sudden barking of the dogs. And then there was silence. I got up and looked out of the window. There was a thin streak of white mist moving across the grass along the wall of the house. It dawned on me that the air in the room was heavy and dank and cold. The gaslight came only like a tiny red spark through the fog. I could see through my eyelids. The mist grew thicker and thicker. Then, as I looked, the spark divided and seemed to shine on me through the fog like two red eyes. Second, 8 p.m. We're on the track. Twelve boxes were delivered last week to an empty house at 347 Piccadilly. My dear friend, until the sun sets tonight, Dracula must retain whatever form he now has. We have this day to hunt out all his lairs and sterilize them. Then he will have no place where he can move and hide. But we have only until sunset. The house in Piccadilly was empty. I could want it perfectly. It's the same sickening smells in the air. 
On the table, we found a clothes brush, a brush, and a comb, and a basin. The latter containing dirty water, which was reddened as if with blood. The boxes are back here. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Only eleven. There's a twelfth box somewhere. Gentlemen, it is after six. The sun is setting. We've no time to lose. He will return at any moment. Open the boxes. Quiet. Here it is. It is he! The window! You wait your bullet, gentlemen. You think you baffle me. You with your pale faces all in a row like sheep in a butcher's. You think you have left me without a place to rest. But I have more. The time is on my side. The one you love is mine already. I have known her. Already my mark is on her throat. Flesh of my flesh. Blood of my blood. She is with me always. Over land. Or sea. October 4th morning. Another meeting in the study of Turkey. We must find that last remaining box, gentlemen. We must find it. As long as that earth exists in pure, as long as there remains one place of refuge for Dracula, there is no safety and no peace for any soul in England. And for the undead, never peace so long as he lives. Blood of my blood. Blood of my blood. Mina. How do you know that? How do you Quiet. With me. With me always. Over land and sea. Mina, darling, how did you know that Dracula said those... I don't know. The words just came. Strange. There are times when somehow I feel that I'm with him. At sunset? Yes. Just at sunset. And again at sunrise. Dr. Van Helsing, if I could... If at that time, you... Have you the courage? Courage for what? What do you mean? Dr. Van Helsing here will question her. I will question her, yes. In a state of hypnosis. The one you love is already mine, he said. She is with me always, over land or sea. Ah, Count Dracula. Perhaps she will betray you if she is really with you, this one we love. Who knows? If she is really with you over land or sea. Blood of my blood. Mina. Yes? Answer me, Mina. Are you with him? Yes, I am with him. Where are you? I do not know. It is all dark. What do you hear? The lapping of water. I can hear it on the outside. Then you are on a ship? Yes. What else do you hear? There is the creaking of an anchor chain. What are you doing? Still. Oh, so still. It is like death. It's like death. Here is a report from Mats and Peabody. Ship brokers. Dated October 5th, according to Lloyd's List, the only sailing ship that left for the Black Sea yesterday was the Tsarina Katrina, bound for Varna. Some hours before she sailed, a man came alongside, all in black, driving a cart with a great box in it. This he lifted down, single-handed, and carried below. No one remembers having seen him after that, as heavy mist came up over Doolittle Dock until sailing time. The rest of London Harbor remained completely clear. Our plans are made. The average sailing time from London to the Black Sea is three weeks. We can travel overland to the same place in three days. We shall be there waiting for him when he arrives. October 15th, arrive barn about five o'clock. Mina seems stronger. Every morning before sunrise and just before sunset, she speaks to Van Helsing in a trance. Are you with him, Mina? Tell me, are you with him? I am with him. What can you see? Nothing. 
What can you hear? I can hear the waves lapping against the ship and the water rushing by. The wind is high. I can hear it in the shrouds and the bow throws back the foam. So, the Tsarina Katrina is still at sea, hastening on her way to Varna. The Count cannot cross warning water, so he cannot leave the ship without being observed. What do you hear, Mina? Lapping waves and rushing the water. A whole week of waiting. Daily telegrams from Lloyd. Not yet reported. 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 Rushing water and creeping mud. Darkness. Darkness and wind. October 24th. Telegram. Lloyd, London, to Harker. Sorry, Nick, Katrina reported this morning. From Dardanelle. Lloyd, London, to Harker. October 28th. Zarina Katrina and heavy fog reported entering Galat's Harbor at one o'clock today. Galat! Galat is 38 hours from here, and the first train for Galat leaves at 6.30 tomorrow morning. My friends, we have lost... We are three hours late. Zarina Katrina. A man come aboard with an order an hour before sunup to receive a box for a party by the name of Dracula. That is Peppers, a right? Uh, Emanuel Hillside, his name was. Mr. Hiddleston? Yes. You went over the box yesterday. I gave it to Kyloff by order. Kyloff. Mr. Kyloff? Kyloff. This morning they find him dead inside the churchyard of St. Peter. They find him dead. With his throat torn open. October 30th evening. There are two ways in which Dracula can get back to his own place. By land or by water. We've examined the map and find the most likely river is the Ceres. You and I, see what will charter a steam launch and follow him up the river. Van Helsing and Mina will take the train to Veresti, and from there they will from go... there we shall go in the track where Harker went, from district over to Borgo. If you have not caught him before, we shall be awaiting Dracula there. October 31st. We can run a good speed up the river at night. There's plenty of water and the banks are wide apart. November 1st, evening. No news all day. We hear that a big boat went up the river before us, going at more than usual speed. November 4th. All day driving. The country gets wilder as we go. By morning, we shall reach the Borgo Pass. November the 4th, evening. We've left the launch. We've got horses and we follow on the track along the river. We are armed. Look! Quick! There they are now! Heading west! With the dawn, we could see the Slovaks some miles before us, dashing along the river with their wagons. On it is the great box. A long way all around us. Far off, beyond the white waste of snow, was the river like a black ribbon curling. Between us and the river, not afar off, came a group of men, mounted slowback train along. In the midst of them was a wagon which swept from side to side. On the wagon was a great box. Look! We see two horses following fast coming up from the south. Stuart and 
harder. The slow bucks with their heavy wagons are losing their ground. Now the horsemen are not more than a mile behind. Now the wagon is quite close to us. We can see the great bucks swaying crazily. Now they are almost upon us. Now has happened a strange thing. The wagon smashed into a great rock bed in the snow, lost its front wheels, and turned over on its side, jammed against the stone. The horses tore loose from their traces and bolted, and the slow bucks scatter and vanish after them. Then silence. Silence like comes uh, after ringing a bell. Look. His face. It is Dracula. Walled out stiff and twisted in the smear of his own holy earth. The bucks, in falling, has emptied the dirt onto the snow. His face is old looking. The skin is like paper. Dr. Seward, there's no time. Look at the sun. Sunset. In one minute there's darkness and he is forever lost to us. Have you the stake of wood and the hammer? Yes. Now, Seward, pray for us. Kneel down and pray. Harker, the stake of wood over his heart. Be not afraid, Harker. Do not look into his eyes. The hammer. Now, Harker, strike. Strike. Flesh. Flesh of my flesh. Guilt of my guilt. Death of my death. Speak and be manifest in the instant of your master's peril. Elements of darkness, rain, evil wind, mist, and mold, and tempest. Right! The other couldn't. But somehow I can hear him speaking behind his eyes. Claw, wing, tooth, scale, tissue of flesh, death of my death, dead and undead. The hand of the living is over your master. Console him, my children. This instant is no longer than the space between two heartbeats. But the night is not here, and I am lonely. Come to your master, my children. Beguile him now in the instant of his peril. Beguile him with the sound of your names. Claw. Wing. Tooth. Scale. Tissue of flesh. Strike! Harker, strike! There is one very dear to me who has not answered. My love. Mina. There is less than a minute between me and the night. You must speak for me. You must speak with my heart. Give them to me! Jonathan, give them to me! That stick of wood and the hammer! I shall never forget that moment. The look on poor Mina's face as she stood there. The angry scar standing out on her throat. Her eyes like living coals in the last red of the sunset. She had torn the stake and the hammer out of my hands with the strength of an animal. Mina, do you know what you've done, woman? You know what you've done to us? You've released him. The evil is free. Look! The sun! As we looked down at Dracula... The eyes saw the sinking sun, and the hate in them turned to triumph. Flesh of my flesh, come to me, my love. Come into the night and the darkness. You have served me well, my love, my bride, my... Ladies and gentlemen, all the evidence in this case is now before you. I've added nothing, and to the best of my knowledge, I've omitted nothing that might help to throw light on the extraordinary events of the year 1891, which culminated on that terrible evening in the Borgo Pass. There remains only this one last report. When Mina Hager seized the stake and hammer from her husband, I believe she was under some form of hypnosis. She herself remembers nothing. But whatever influence was at work on her, she must, at the last moment, have rejected it 
for at the exact instant the sun disappeared. It was Nina Harker who drove the stake through the heart of the thing that called itself Dracula. At that same instant, even as we looked, the wound on the side of her throat was no more. As for Dracula, before the scream of the creature had died from our ears, the whole body crumbled into dust and passed from our sight. In that final moment of dissolution, there was in the face a look of peace, such as I never could have imagined might have rested there. Tonight's production of Dracula by Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater was the first of nine CBS broadcasts in which this brilliant group will bring to life a series of great narratives, all presented in the immediacy of the first-person singular. In presenting them each Monday evening at this time during the summer season, the Columbia Network is bringing a complete theatrical producing company to the air for the first time. And now here is the director to tell you about next week's Mercury Theater production, Mr. Orson Welles. Ladies and gentlemen... What are your favorite stories? If there is one you're particularly fond of and would like to hear on the air, will you please write me about it? Next week, the Mercury Theater is going to tell you Robert Louis Stevenson's exciting yarn about pirates and the sea, Treasure Island. Until then, just in case Count Dracula has left you a little apprehensive, one word of comfort. When you go to bed tonight, don't worry. Put out the lights and go to sleep. It, uh, all right, you can rest peacefully. That's just a sound effect. There. Over there in the shadow, see? It's nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I think it's nothing. But always remember, ladies and gentlemen, there are wolves. There are vampires. Such things do exist. is the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.